So, so far this earning season, we've had 254 companies report and 78.7% have beat their analyst expectations. Now we got a lot on the docket this week. Amazon, Apple, AMD, there's so much to look out for, team. Got to watch out. This week, we'll be talking all about those earnings. Today, we'll get into SoFi. We'll talk a little bit of Johnson & Johnson. Might be the most hated stock by Dennis Dick. Find out why right here on Pre-Market Prep, of course. Rise and shine, team. It's time for Pre-Market Prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, good morning, traders and investors. Let me get my charts up here for you today, and we will talk about what's going on in the markets. The S&P 500 index futures, as you can see in one second, they're trading up eight handles at uh, 46.1450. Uh, we posted a new closing high for the move. Yep, we did that on Friday as well at 06 and a quarter. Found support <clears throat> underneath that, and uh, let's see if we can take out last week's high. Last week's high is also the high of the move at 46.34.50. The buck back over 101, that's up about a nickel, 101.44 and a half. Bonds up a couple ticks. Crude working its way in the 80 handle, up 80 cents at 81.38. Gold and silver going in opposite directions. Gold down four bucks at 19.95.90. Silver, well, we got silver trading in the, well, now that's flat at $24.49. And Bitcoin futures, they're up $90 at $29,625. Let's say bring in Triple D and Mitch oh. at the same time. And do you, before we get to our regularly scheduled programming, do you guys want a recession update? Oh, what happened? There's no recession in Chicago, Illinois. No, okay. No. no way. Oh my. <laughs> busy. Oh, the so spending. busy. Oh, buildings People... and construction yeah. and yeah. travelers. Got to our hotel. We went for a wedding. We got to our hotel. The parking was sold out. I couldn't even park in my own hotel. I had to drive around <laughs> to our parking structure. What hotel? It was a Sheridan Grand uh, right oh. down on the river walk. The beaches, the boats, I'm Everything telling you, yeah. man, people are spending money. I don't know. I don't know it's where the, the recession mentality. is. You cannot break it, which is what we've talked about. You cannot long, break man. the YOLO. People it don't care. Long. They'll go in debt to spend today. People are not afraid to go into debt to spend today. And that's what the Fed has been trying to break, and they're not going to break it. But Heck, you know, if they beat inflation, which, you know, they're, you know, figure out a way, you know, even if they have to cook the books a little bit, you know, they bring inflation down, then maybe we get the best of both worlds and the stock market party just continues. Every time you try to call a top or you try to think like, yeah, you know, I kind of thought that we might give back the little rally that we had there on Friday. Nope, nope, nope. And break this fool. 
every time you think you got all key reversals. Technically speaking, it looked like it could be upside situation Thursday night. And look what happens. They just come in and they rebuy on the next day and they don't stop buying. There's just literally too many people who have been bearish the market. It's too much money chasing this market. Every time we get pullbacks, it's just buying opportunities. We just got to stop trying to you know, call the top, I guess. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I mentioned that on the show on Friday, especially that every time that we get in this downside action, you see all the bears just quickly come to the market. Yeah, for sure. Maybe let's start seeing some major supports be broken before we get yeah, so quickly bearish, sure. right? Yeah. Well, also it was tricky. Like I and I was just I taught myself a lesson on that that uh, BOJ news, and like I just kept reading articles. I'm like, because I'm thinking to myself, well, well, what what's the big deal here? You know, the market did sell off. I'm like, so is everyone going to be pulling money out of the U.S. markets and treasuries to go get a little few more bips in that Japanese market? And it really it really and like I spent so much time trying to figure it out and there's there was absolutely nothing there. So instead of ignoring the news and like Mitch said, you know, focusing on the tacticals, you know, it was it's a waste of time. But. Uh, we got a big week here, and uh, we always start out with like a, a stock, you know, moving big on the upside. But yeah. we got one deep in the red today here, Mitch. You want to give us the news on Johnson and Johnson? Let's go to it. As a New Jersey bankruptcy court judge has beat back Johnson and Johnson's second attempt to use the unit's bankruptcy filing as a way to handle tens of thousands of talc-related lawsuits that it faces. Judge Michael Kaplan's rejected the attempt at the bankruptcy since he determined that the company was not in financial distress. Of course, Johnson & Johnson fighting back in a statement saying that we respectfully disagree uh, with the conclusion of substantial liability um, that they face because of this. And they said that, um, that the TAL claims assert against it does not establish immediate financial distress under the standard imposed by the third circuit. So unless they can figure a way to show that this is going to show financial distress, I think each judge is going to keep coming in here and battling back. And I mean, the math here and nobody is doing the math is just absolutely scary. The math. And we did a little bit of the math for a few weeks ago when that judgment came. So back on July, I believe it was like the 17th or the 18th. There was a uh, California um, man that got awarded $18.8 million from their exposure to the baby powder, to the talc. So $18.8 million was one settlement. J&J will appeal that. It is likely to be a lot less what this person ends up getting. So, I mean, but if you just did the fun math, you want to do the fun math and say, there's 38,000 cases, Joel. 38,000 cases. One case got 18.8 million just now. If for whatever reason Johnson and Johnson couldn't, you know, appeal this, and it, they're not, and again, I don't think every case is going to get 18 million dollars. But 18.8 million times 38,000, you know what the math is on that? I did it. A it's lot. 714 billion dollars. Johnson and Johnson has set aside nine billion dollars for this. If you did the math. And every case got 18 million. That's 714 billion dollars. Johnson and Johnson ceases to exist if that was to happen. The market cap on J and J is like 300 billion. They don't have the money, but 
that's not going to happen. We're just setting up scenario analysis. But it's so, you know, like I look at this and say, they set aside $9 billion to try to set this. It doesn't seem like nearly enough money set aside. So I think you're still at this scenario where it's like rainbows and, you know, like, ah, eh, who cares? They'll figure it out and they're going to say, they got to say 9 or 10 or $15 billion, they'll write it off and then we'll just continue on our merry way. Maybe that's the case, but remember 3M with the earplugs, how much they have beaten down the valuation of 3M over years over the earplugs. This talc powder might be way worse than the earplugs. So here's J&J sitting near all-time highs, and it is. Here's J&J if you bring up the long-term chart. Not far from all-time highs, trading 20 times earnings, 2.78% dividend only. You have 5% cash. I don't know why anyone would want to own this here, but you know what? They keep buying it because it's Johnson & Johnson. And who cares? They'll figure it out. They'll appeal. There's no way they'll get that money. The risk here, though, is so high from a long-term perspective. There's so much risk because there's so many unknowns here. Like for the market to knock this down only $3 on this rejection seems absolutely ridiculous, meaning I think it should be down 10 But it doesn't matter. We're in this bull market and you try to put a bear thesis out there, you get punished for it because even J&J participating in the bull market here now. I will not touch J&J. I will not buy J&J. Not with my money because I have no idea what this is going to the end result of this is going to be. I'm pretty sure it's not going to be $700 billion, but I'm pretty sure it's not going to be $9 billion either. Somewhere in between is probably where it's going to be. This That's could be a, a serious number. issue yeah. for J&J for a very long time. It doesn't look like we thought, you know, it was going to get settled out when they were setting aside, they're going to do this bankruptcy thing. And maybe it's still going to work. Maybe they're still going to be able to take $9 billion, bankrupt that portion of the company, pay out the $9 billion, everybody gets their $100,000. But we just watched one man in California get $18 million. If you were If you were in this lawsuit, you saw, and we said this two weeks ago, Mitch, and the stock has went up since then. So, you know, but we, we if you were the, sitting in that lawsuit, and you saw somebody get 18 million. Would you want to settle for a hundred grand? No, it, it's, an, it's an unknown man. liability. I mean, this how many years has this been going on for? That's true, I mean, too, it's, right? It's, yeah, it's gonna go like on for a lot longer, too. There and is that's so why I think they here. Is that why they're not hitting it as hard? Just because they think that this is just gonna be something that takes five to ten years to really kind of show up. Hmm. I don't know. It, I just just like think... it because the the price action right now, like we we can see it on the chart, it's pretty positive at least. They the beat earnings. Action. Let's be honest here. They beat the numbers were good. You know, they beat earnings. They've been rallying it up because they're just buying everything blindly. But yeah. I just think like maybe you know maybe this dip gets bought too because that's what they do. And you know what? The market is absolutely blind to you know looking out longer term. It's short term looking here right now. They're, the market is just basically saying they'll figure it out. This nine billion is going to settle it out, and you know we're going to move on. It's twenty times earnings, not that expensive. But 3M has thought that they've been settling out this earplug lawsuit for a very long time here too. And 3M, if you do bring up that chart over the course of the last three or four years, there's a reason it's trading. What's the 3M valuation? Ten times earnings, five? maybe. Ten. <laughs> like I mean, you could. You, and let's go grab from the pro. We we'll just grab the 3M. And, and maybe it's come up a little bit here, but let's see. Details, MMM, where's the PE on 3M? We're just trying to like get a feel for where this thing could go. 13? 13. 13 times. I mean, Johnson & Johnson sitting here. What's the J&JP? 
Uh, it's current is 35 times, but forward's only, say, say it's only 16 in the pro. Forward's always guessing. You're trying to project the earnings out. So in a perfect scenario where this $9 billion lawsuit works, you're paying 16 or 17 times for J&J. It's not bad. But in the, in the real scenario where we don't even know how much they're going to have to dish out here, and this could go on for years, could weigh on the stock. So not for me. Too much risk to pay 17 times for this consumer staple. I'd rather go on to a different one. I don't want to be on the other side of these lawsuits. All right, Triple D, give me a long-term fundamental valuation perspective. I'll just give you a shorter-term technical look. We have bounced three bucks off the pre-market low right there, number one. So they already have bought the dip. Maybe those are people that have been shorting for the last only four or five days because everyone else is underwater. Uh, but we'll use that. Well, let's just use that for our bogey for, you know, a little bit longer term, too. The reason I like that 6852 uh, is because it coincides with this low before the last leg up. So let's call it 16850, the whole level. If not, you get into that earnings bar which I wouldn't want to have to sell into, you know, sell into uh, in any weakness in that. And uh, a ways, you got two bucks to go. If you ever get a gap fill, 173.23, I get out there a little bit early, 173. So the street, I mean, it's off the pre-market low. So, so far they have bought the dip. We'll see if that happens long-term. Let's go to some earnings today. Let's go to On Semiconductors. They just reported Q2 EPS at a dollar thirty-three, beat the dollar twenty-one estimate. Sales of two point zero nine billion beat the two point zero two billion estimate. On Semiconductors sees Q3 adjusted EPS at a dollar twenty-seven to a dollar forty-one versus a dollar twenty-one estimate. So pretty good here on the EPS outlook. Also raising revenue outlook as on semiconductor gets a lift here in the pre-market. This semiconductor party just continues. The chips continue. <laughs> ON's new all-time highs. I'm not yeah, fighting new all-time highs. I'm not chasing them either. I mean, the stock's been unbelievable. It's $20. Go to the weekly charts. It's 20 bucks. Well, it was $20 back in COVID, so it's been running. But I mean, this stock just continues to go. People are chips are in everything. I mean... It's hard to be bearish chips. It's a chip party. One of the stocks, I didn't get the young gentleman on the show, but uh, this is one of the stocks that was presented at the uh, at the stock contest, stock pitch competition. Oh, oh yeah. And, uh, yep. I did nice. get him on the show. I had a couple other ones on. Uh, so breaking out to do all-time highs, Dennis loves one number. So I'm going to give him one number, and that's the pre-market high, 111.55 as good. potential resistance. All right, let's move forward towards, let's go to Immunogen as they reported Q2 EPS at a loss of two cents beat the loss of 16 cent estimate. Sales of 83.15 million beat the 42.84 million estimate. IMGN, what do you guys think? These small biotech companies are so hard to trade because they often don't trade on earnings. They trade on earnings for the yeah, day, but they're trading on... They're trading on drug news. And this thing, I don't follow the story here, but it was $5 back in May, 10, 15, 20. I mean, we've got, you know, and maybe we should just take the XBI and in, in overall here. What do you think? The better question is, because I'm probably not going to trade an immunogen. A lot of people aren't going to trade an immunogen. But the better question is, what are you trading on? What do you think about the XBI? Because we have pulled back from the highs. We're still in this bull market apparently here. Um, if credit, and I've been arguing that the KRE has been depressing the XBI price for a while because obviously a lot of lending goes to 
you know, from banks to, you know, these smaller biotech companies, credit gets tighter. It's not good for the XBI. If we're getting past those concerns, is there an argument to be buying XBI not that far from the two month low here? Oh, I absolutely. I mean, absolutely here. They got just real quick on the IMGN. They had a big pop. So keep an eye on that, that pre-market high. I don't think they're 23 bucks. I mean, this thing looks coiled. I'm looking at the XBI. I'm looking at the bottom, the bottom right chart here. Um, also, you could draw a nice. This is a monthly too, so you could draw a nice, uh, a nice uh, ascending triangle here, and it's just about ready to break out the top of it. So, uh, I mean, you don't technicals don't look that bad here. You could argue it's a head and shoulders. I mean, the yeah. shoulders around the hundred. So you could argue that longer term, maybe you know we're breaking down here. But short term, if you're buying dips, you're only you're not that far from the lows. This fly is absolutely driving me nuts. And, you know, we waited on the uh, IWM member. We kept on talking about it. Well, I, I, is it going to go? Is it going to go? Is it going to go? And eventually it went. So uh, an underperformer XBI so far. Uh, but uh, let's see. Drug news. And this is moving on earnings news, <clears throat> which is, you know, a little bit well, out of the ordinary, too. What would you guys like more, XBI or XLV? Oh, it's completely different. That's the problem. XLV. Yeah, no, I'm saying around the time now, right? And, and like, if you had to, if you had to go in today, which one would I you? I mean, J and J. How much is XLV and J J and J and XLV? It's like eight it's or nine percent, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. Big. Let's go look. Let's look, look under the hood. Take us under the hood here. We're going, Mitch. XLV. Let's look at. I knew UNH is usually number one. Yeah, UNH is nine point two percent. J and J is eight point eight percent. Lily seven percent. Merck's five point two percent. I'd rather have the XBI to be honest. Um, okay. Not like one Lily. We know is trading like sixty times earnings because they think the weight loss drug is going to do everything for everyone, which it might. Merck has expanded a long ways. I've I've sold. I had Merck and Abby in my long term portfolio for a decade. I sold those just because valuations are starting to expand here to a certain extent too. UNH has been on a run forever. I mean, they're defensive too. XLV is playing defense here. If you're still playing offense with this market then, you know, why XLV? So I'd almost argue XLV, why not cash over XLV? 1.5% dividend. The growth is not going to be flying here. I think cash over consumer staples and cash over conservative defensive healthcare stocks is a better alternative here right now. I think if you're going in the stock market, you got to go after growth because there's a lot of risk in the stock market. So give me return if you're going to the stock market. There's a reason, you know, when I was buying stocks, AMD, Airbnb, you know, it's like I'm taking on risk because I'm taking I'm going after what I can get a huge return on because I'm taking on too much bloody risk in the stock market. That's just my thoughts. How about short XLV and buy XBI? I'll put a little spread on here. Uh, about 50 bucks right now is the spread between those two. <laughs> uh, again, it's just a matter of if you're going to continue the bull because if you go into a bear market, you'll actually lose on that because they'll buy the defensive stocks and they're going to sell XBI. <laughs> So I don't think you, I don't even think these are related whatsoever. So, you know, usually when I'm pair trading, people are actually asking me about that stuff. I mean, it's not just always GM and Ford or Coke and Pepsi. You can get a little more exotic than that, but XLV, XBI, <laughs> trying to find a relationship here. You're reaching, man. There's no hedging with that. I'm reaching. You know what I'm reaching at? There's drugs involved. It's a hell of a lot different drugs. You got, you know, startups that are zombies like trying to find ways burn cash and to make you know eventually turn <laughs> into maybe a couple of these turn into the bigger names i have the big you know drugs stable 
So a lot different, even though it's all drugs. I think it's important to to state that, right? Because there's a lot of traders that probably don't even know that, Dennis, that they're very different. And so it's good to state that. Uh, Well, the the golden rule of technical analysis is what you're forgetting about. Mm, By the bottom of the page, right? By the remember when I used to do charts by hand, when it's at the bottom of the page, you buy it, right? So you're buying the XBI, and then the XLV is getting near the top of the page. So that's what the golden rules of technical analysis kicking. I like it. I like it. All right. What else you got for us, Mitch? Let's go to the retail favorite SoFi Tech. All right. Q2 EPS at a loss of six cents beats the loss of seven cent estimate. Sales of 489 million beat the 474.6 million estimate. They do see uh, second half adjusted net revenues at 1.025 billion to 1.085 billion and raised fiscal 23 adjusted net revenue guidance. Not looking too bad. Of course, SoFi recently started getting the move. And I think what really helped it was not forbearance, but actual forgiveness being rejected by the Supreme Court. And that what it did was it made everybody that still has those uh, private loans by SoFi. Yeah, they're starting to pay up again. This is just your bull market stock. I mean, this is like a stock that's way off the all-time highs. It's a catch-up trade, the laggard trade. Um, you know, you think about, you know, the moves we've had in like Upstart. You think about the moves we've had in a lot of these smaller names that, you know, aren't really big money makers here. That's what's been moving. And SoFi has participated in that. Now, all of a sudden, you get a decent report. Can it get above the 1023i back on the on in June? Because if it can... Then you start breaking out here again. So these are the kind of stocks when you're shorting them in this market, you're getting hurt really bad. I'm staying away from shorting anything like this. Do you have, Mitch, do you have your chat GPTAI available? Because Always. <clears throat> could you ask it when uh, SoFi off earnings reports has had big up opens how it's reacted because oh, it's not my... that smart, man. It's not that yeah. smart. Oh, it's not and that Joel, smart. We need, we, need, we need Joel for that. Oh, let's not go into an AI. I've been thinking a lot about AI lately. But anyways, uh, big old pop over the high of the move, back the high of the move. That might have been on, I don't know if that was on an earnings day or not, but uh, that came in at 1023, uh, the high of the move in the pre-market right in that area. So you have you know a potential sell zone, but if it breaks out the way the market's been running, there's nothing on the month monthlies here. So. I'll be looking through follow through through the pre-market high. If you're playing into the triple D way, if you want, if the sellers come in off the open, big whoosh down, you might want to be out there at 955, 960. That was the top of the range from Friday. I still think like I'm scared to be shorting stuff like this. Definitely. And I think that uh, now's not the time, right? Let's just be honest. There'll be a time. You're exactly right, Mitch. There will be a time to short all these stocks again. Shorting stocks when they're breaking out or challenging three, four month highs is a good way to get run over. If you're in this bear market and bears are winning, but we know every time we try to get bearish and I want to be bearish, you know I want to be bearish because I like a lot of fundamentally thinking here doesn't make sense, but you know, the technical stopped me from doing it. It's saving me money. So I probably, you know, I look at my returns this year and you know, they're not great, but they're not bad considering I've probably not been on the right side of a lot of these calls, but it's like technical. So one thing is your opinion, 
But your opinion only matters when the market is trading on logic and fundamentals and all the other things. When it starts going to FOMO mode, your opinion doesn't matter whatsoever. And fundamentals don't matter whatsoever. And these companies can keep burning cash. But right now, people are scared. They are missing out. FOMO is driving the bus on so many of these other names. And it might just all, you know, one day there's going to be a rug pull. But trying to call that day, it's been a pretty tough task. Well, Dennis, you did call the messy. So let's talk about that. Let's go to Pelantier here as Pelantier, of course, is continuing higher. As Wedbush analyst Daniel Ives said that he called this company the messy of AI. Um, I don't know where he got that, guys. I don't know. But, hey, um, it is starting to make a move. It's continued. Dennis, you've been on top of this since the very start. Yeah, so yeah and you. I've screwed this right up. And I, I know some <laughs> of our listeners have made some money on it, but we've been on top of this back in April and May. I was like, this is right the number one thing, AI on their website. Nobody was listening for months. For months, man, we were talking about it in April and May. And, you know, I finally you know, throw in the towel on it and that's when it goes. So I couldn't have screwed this up more, this trade. But, you know, I see it. And every time we talk about it, it's like I call the stock right. I just can't trade it for whatever reason. But, you know, we were down to 16. We were talking about it four days ago. I'm like, it's finding support here again at 16. Boom. Three days later, it's 19. I mean, it's probably a stock that I don't call better and don't make any money off of it. I'm like, I cannot figure out on my own man. trading on this stock. But I tell you, man, I call this stock well. And, you know, you're breaking out here again. And the Palantir, as long as you're in a bull market, the stock goes higher. All right. Big stock here coming up on a... Heavily volume, heavily traded during the session, heavily traded now. Uh, Kiss 19 a few days ago, or, you know, a week and a half ago. 19 high, the move bumping up against it. Looks like it's bid here right at this area. So you take out 19. I'm not even going to look in the 19 handle. Uh, maybe you make a push towards 20. But uh, 19, that's been the high of the move. It's the highest it's been since. Wow, uh, December of 21. So only number there, 19. Use that as uh, above 19. You're breaking out. You're going. If you hit break below 19, well, top of yesterday's range is 18, 17.97. And this is still follow through from Wetbush. We looked at the news. We saw the news and made the move. And uh, I know he said something on CM. He said he made the, uh, was it the Mark Messi comment? Is that who he's referring to, Dennis? Mitch was that the Messi of AI? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mark Messi. Ha ha, Mark Messi. Yay, yeah. You didn't catch that because we weren't even close to his name. Oh, <laughs> was his hockey pun. Stay away from he hockey. tried, he tried, <laughs> he tried. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll pick us to I get the uh, gong, get Chuck Barris out with the gong on that one. Yeah, let's go I mean, to notable analyst ratings on the day here. I, I think this is an interesting one. This is one that we were looking for an AI move, and I, I agree with you. Sometimes, Dennis, we, we just don't take what we talk about. Uh, Adobe, here. show enough. Look at Adobe, oh. man. This is honestly, I still remember the day I talked about this right here on pre market prep. It was May 25th, right when it got that bar to start going. And I started talking about how they had regenerative AI mentions out there. That was already going on in YouTube. I saw a bunch of videos on YouTube about it and it still hadn't gone. Now you're seeing Morgan Stanley upgrading here and raising price target to 660. 
I mean, you start thinking about the all-time highs here. It's six ninety-nine is the all-time high back in twenty twenty-one. Obviously, discounted significantly when we had our bear market for a year and a half here, and we're coming back. And I mean, we are seeing stocks that have come back a long ways, and some stocks making new all-time highs. You just think, is Adobe going to make a new all-time high eventually? I mean, we've come a long ways. You know, they're talking about Meta. You would never thought of Meta. You know, when it went from three sixty or whatever it was down to a hundred bucks or ninety-five bucks that we were going to be talking about new all-time highs potentially in meta two years later. I cannot believe the strength of this bull market here in the last six months. It's unbelievable, and it's all driven by FOMO. So, you know, the meta, the V-bottom there, the Adobe, is it going to make the same V-bottom eventually here, Money Mitch? Maybe. Hmm. Up on uh, almost 50,000 shares, pre-market high. You can use that as a target if you want. 543.61, the way I look with these, uh, you know, you get these analyst moves, you either get like the big file through, like right off the open, or some people are like, oh, I'm, Morgan Stanley's upgrading this now. Are you kidding me? After, a, you know, 200 some dollar run, use it that they way. They all chase, Joel. Yeah, they do. They do. They and all they... chase. It's all in us. The chaser is in everyone. Kid yourself not. You can say, I'm, you know, rock solid in that, but the chaser is in us all. It's what yeah. we naturally want to do. In some cases, we need to listen to that voice. In other cases, we got to have rational and we chase on the pullbacks. Yeah, sure. It's fine to chase. I always just say, wait for the dip though to chase. You know, you have that uptrend. Waiting for the dip to buy, dip to buy. It's a better way to control the risk. But the chasers are in us all, and those analysts are full of chase. Let's go to a stock that's up over 100% in the last two months. Let's go to Piper Sandler's upgrade on Wayfair to overweight and raising the price target to $97. The stock was just recently below, uh, in May, it was trading at like 37, now at 78. Look at this chart in the bottom right corner, though. Yeah, I mean, when you look at that bottom right corner and you say, back. well, this is this is dumb, you know, I'm not, you know, eventually it's going to come back down. You look, this thing was $350. It looks like it hasn't even started to go up in that bottom right corner here. And you got the high short interest. If we go to our website, which we, you know, go to there, because a lot of retail traders do, highshortinterest.com. We always give you guys shout outs. They're pretty solid, though, because they have Benzinger Pro advertiser right on the front, so we love giving them some love. Wayfair, it's fallen. It was usually number three or number four. It's like number 10 on their list here right now. But they're still saying it's a 31.97% short interest there. We've been talking about this list. These stocks on this list, they're going. These are the stocks that are squeezing over the course of the last month and a half. They have been going. Wayfair is on that list as well. Do I short Wayfair into this strength? There's a lot of people that are obviously trying to do it. Sounds like 31.97% short interest. <laughs> really? Not it's still me. that high? It's still that high, Joel. People think this stock, and maybe it is. Maybe it's going down. But right now, bulls are in control. I don't want to be short anything on this list. So go to that highshortinterest.com page. Don't short stocks on this list, at least right now, until you shoot them. Remember the shorting where we were saying, don't shoot them in the front. You shoot them in the back. So you got to wait till they start breaking down before you start thinking about shorting stocks on this list. Not when they're going out and breaking out to new three or four month highs or in case of Wayfair, a new 52 week high here. I think it is actually. So we go back here. I'm just going back with the, yeah. New 52 week oh, high yeah. for this thing here. Oh, no, thank you. Not shorting. <laughs> maybe, uh, they... and maybe, and maybe chasing the chaser in me says, maybe I want to buy this because it's $78. 
probably gonna be 85 by this afternoon i mean or something like that i mean that's kind of my thought process on this i'd much rather chase i'll say this i'm probably not gonna trade wayfair but i would much rather chase this than short this but i'm probably making no trade because it's hard to control the risk uh let's see pre-market high comes in at 79.33 that's only 60 cents away uh if you're so inclined to sell this today and no sell recommendations coming out of here uh use your half and whole numbers and see if you can get lifted uh on those if not the top of the yet i mean at longer term i would like to see it maybe come back on the dailies to like 74 that's where you broke out uh, you you, you uh, had an extended losing streak. You had the update on Friday. But you know what the big catalyst has been behind this move, Dennis? The major what? catalyst? They got the triple BY assets. In that, or, or not assets. Is but that um, what the way for a while? No, 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 no. no. I'll just so? correct you. That was overstock. I was overstock. Okay. They all feel okay. like the same thing to me and Joel. And overstock. Overstock, overstock has gotten going too because of that. Look at that. Let's yeah, talk okay. the overstock here too. It's momentum stock, classic momentum stock. When this stock Thanks, loves Mitch. to go, it goes. So if you can see that on the daily, whenever you scroll back on the overstock's chart, when it goes, it goes, man. Is that on the list? Let's go look at that high short interest.com list. Is overstock Isn't on there? a classic momentum stock? I thought it was on there at one time. I don't see it on there now. But you know what? This overstock though, let's go to that stock here too, Joel. You can actually figure out. I would just say go to the low from the last two days, thirty-three fifty-one on overstock. So if you're buying here at thirty-five sixty, you got to stop yourself out at that thirty-three fifty-one area. But this is a stock that is in. You know now. You know the, the bulls have grabbed this by the horns. It's another stock that looks like Wayfair on that bottom right chart. I mean, there's a possibility the stock could continue too. Again, you've got to control the risk on these trades. Always think risk. When you're to your newer traders, always think risk, then return. Think about risk, then return. I think about risk being down to 33.51. If it breaches that, I'd probably stop myself out. So I'm risking two bucks to go. You could probably do a three to one on this thing because overstock could go crazy and you could take it up to 40, 41, 42. So if hey, you're buying here today, yeah. I won't argue with you. I think you just got to stop yourself out under that 3351. Uh, this one, you know, we talk different time frames. Dennis is talking set it and forget it here. Like I'm in, I define my risk, try not to look at it. Uh, shorter term, just uh, Friday's uh, Friday size uh, level you want to get through. That comes in at 3620. That's only, that's, uh, wow, that's about still another 60 cents away. So, after that, you got that big open move over 30, uh, up to over 38. But first things first, let's take care of 36.20 in overstock. All right, one last one. I'll just sneak in here. Bank of America Securities upgrade on Hasbro to buy and raising the price target to 85. Says that the new magic, the gathering cards, will boost earnings. Is that still a thing? The gathering? I remember hearing about that years ago. There. So there's a new, there's a new, still... they're like re putting it out, Dennis. So oh, what uh, is it? And so it's, it's kind of like magic. a Yu Gi Oh, um, you know, trading card kind of game. Um, it's a little bit more kind of, you got, you got to actually be a, a little bit wiser, more tactical than some of the other games than Pokemon or Yu Gi Oh. Um, but the gathering, start the new magic gathering cards. I don't know. Out there, chat. You guys still play Magic? 
Ah, boy, I don't know about this one. I'll just give another recession Barbie update from Chicago. Oh, my gosh. There was so many bachelorette parties. Tell the truth. People. You were watching it, Joel. You were no, watching I haven't it. watched you it yet. Barbie? I, I, have, I, I don't know. I don't my know wife tried to get me to go. Uh, no lie. I was like, I can't do it. I, I do want to see Oppenheimer. I, I, I do. I want to see, see that, that too, but that's I wanna, I I'm going to have to see the Barbie movie too. You know what I want to see, guys? Of course, Market Structure Monday is coming. Yes! There we go. Get them. All right. Tim Quas is back, of course, joining us from lovely Steamboat. How are we doing, Tim Quas? I'm tired, Joel, but that, or uh, Mitch, that was a great segue, though. That was, you worked (laughs) at those. You worked at those. That's way better than Barbie is Tim Quas. Way better than Barbie. (laughs) I don't think Tim was watching Barbie this weekend. I know you were having probably some hiking fun, wearing out those feet. How's uh, it, it going? Was, so, so on Thursday, I was eating double a double patty burger at Willie's Ice House in Austin, and then on Saturday, I was hiking the Devil's Causeway at twelve thousand feet. I do not oh recommend gosh. that juxtaposition, by the way. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the, the, that was pretty awesome. If you haven't done the devil's causeway in the flat tops, uh, in steamboat, it's one of the most spectacular places you will ever see. It's uh, uh, 360 degrees. Last night we saw Matt Carney, uh, here, here at the performing arts hall in, in steamboat. So if you haven't seen Matt Carney, it's not C-A-R-N-E-Y. It's, it's like Fort Phil Carney in Nebraska, K-E-A-R-N-E-Y. And is he related to like is me. he related to uh, Art Carney? Uh, not that I know. That's a different spelling. That is a different spelling. But <laughs> oh, man, uh, you, if you haven't seen him, he's really really today. good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Tim. What <laughs> Enough what frivolity. Happened? Okay. What, yeah. what happened to the Russell rebalance? What I mean, big. Di- I mean, did they actually rebalance it? Did I miss? No, something? you're you're not talking. You say Russell. He Joel's mean. I mean, Q-Q-Q Q-Q rebalance. Wow. It's I, a Nasdaq. A Nasdaq. 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 If that's a slip I would do, uh, Joel, because it would, you know, it would be age-related in my case. Uh, but it's a, <laughs> no, it's a great question because we talked about this uh, at least two weeks ago, maybe longer. Uh, and for those who, who uh, let, let me, I'll just very quickly summarize. So the NASDAQ, uh, which is the one that, that uh, sponsors the NASDAQ 100 index, which is the 100, roughly, the 100 largest stocks uh, listed on the NASDAQ, there are some other modifying criteria, decided, you know, we're too, we're too heavily weighted in the Magnificent Seven. And so they, they uh, decided to trim about roughly 12% of the weighting off of those largest seven and sprinkle it down through the other 93. And so that was, uh, it was announced to the people who buy that intellectual property from the NASDAQ uh, on the 14th of July, and it was slated to take place on the 24th of July. And so you would think, well, that could be bad news. Even I said, well, it's possible. I said two things. I said, it's possible it could tip the market over, and it might yet. I'm not saying it won't yet. Uh, and I said, also, money might just ignore it. Uh, and why? Why wouldn't you true up? If you're an index investor pegged to the triple Q, the big Invesco ETF, one of the three biggies, you know, SPY, uh, the, the Dow Jones Industrial Average and the triple Q, those are the big, you know, those are the big S&P 500. 
those are the big indexes, why wouldn't you true up your tracking, reduce your exposure to the big seven and spread your exposure out to the others? And the answer is one simple word, liquidity. In the, those seven, there is $100 billion of daily trading volume. And the, if you add all of the rest up, it doesn't equal to that. So there is the trouble. Now, let me show you, though. Let me, if I may, uh, Mitch, if you don't mind. Yeah, let's let get me, to it. Let me share the screen because we track that. You know, we, so we, we track the, the big tech stocks automatic. If you're an edge user, you, you, edge mob, you guys know this, <clears throat> uh, that on your, on your dashboard, one of the portfolios that we create for you and just track is this thing called big tech. I mean, big tech simple. <laughs> you can call it all kinds of stuff. We don't know what to call these stocks anymore. Uh, but here's what I want to show you. So what you're looking at on your screen here is supply and demand. That is the core of market structure, the mechanics of the market governed by the rules that determine how trades occur. We measure trade executions. That is what we measure because that's how the money gets into and out of the market. There is no other way. You have to execute trades. So this is demand, 30-day view for big tech. There are 11 stocks in this portfolio led by passive money. Most of it is tech, of course. This is supply. Here is what happened. On the 14th of July, notice this. Demand was very good. It was over five. It's above five, excess demand. That's good for prices. Look at the supply side. Supply side plunged. So clearly the money at that point didn't care. <laughs> it was going to do what it was going to do. Then heading into this rebalance, which is going to occur on the 24th, there's the 24th, demand peaked. And so did supply. And now what we've had is sliding demand, but falling supply. Is it unfolding? If so, nobody's shorting it. For those stocks to collapse, you would have to have demand falling and supply rising. We don't have that. I would conclude right now, as we hit July index futures expirations today, that big investors have pushed it off. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. But that is the explanation. Right now, money has ignored that rebalance and stuck with the stuff like Microsoft and Amazon up 50 and 59% year to date uh, because there's no alternative. You, you got to go where the big money is. If you were going to pick one that was best, I would say it's Google. And here's why. So if you look at the supply and demand balance, here are the 11 that we put in this portfolio. Mm -hmm. How do we get to 11? We add AMD. Netflix, Shopify, and somebody else. I don't, I can't, it doesn't, it escapes me at the moment. So that, let's look at, let's look at Google, because I think this is a great lesson, not only on big tech, but on how to trade big tech or anything for that mm -hmm. matter. I mean, if you're using edge, here's what you do. Rather than own it the whole time as it goes up and down and up and down, it's mainly gone up. You just want to pick up the points where money comes in and where does it come in? We always say new month, new money. Look at the beginning of May. Insufficient supply, very steady demand. You can catch that gain. You know that people putting money to work in their 401ks, the triple Q, what have you, money's going to come into Google. When the supply rises and demand falls, take your money out. Wait for the next month. Insufficient supply, very strong demand. Catch those gains. The minute those conditions break down and supply rises, take your money out. Come back to the beginning of July. 
very steady demand, insufficient supply, price rises. Where are we now? Well, it's not bad. See, this is why I say Google's the best. It rose from five to six, but supply is way above the trend. Is that great? Well, I would trade that. I would. If it pulled back, I'd probably trade that. But again, that's a way that if you're trading short term, you can take the gains and avoid the losses. If you're long term, any all the time the stocks spend above five is good. If they deteriorate below five, then you're, you're subject to losses. It's a really simple way to think both short term and long term with market structure. All right. I'm going to come in here. Of course, uh, we got you know, it feels like an infinite amount of companies reporting this week. Uh, Twenty eight hundred companies yeah. reporting this week. And of course, uh, quarter over quarter earnings are expected to come down here. But right. as I mentioned right off the hop of the show, at least from what we've gotten so far, it looks like we've gotten about two hundred and fifty four companies to report and seventy eight point seven have reported above analyst expectations. What should we be looking at? Does this matter? Well, it's it's one of my favorite things to point out, Mitch, and I'm glad that you, you bring this up. Analyst expectations don't tell you anything. All they tell you is what some, something did versus a model. Does it tell you whether they made more or less money? Earnings are down for the third straight quarter. So yeah. far, 51% of the S&P 500 has reported and earnings are down 7.3%. It's not as bad is as that. Is that not crazy? We just no, got to stop that. And this is why, and this is such a good point you're making here, Tim. <laughs> this is what drives the market. It's like the expectations just came down so much yeah. that we are willing to accept a 7% decline in earnings. And we're like going the bull, like bulls out here because they're beating expectations. Well, the expectations were in the gutter. You know, and yeah, they've come up a little bit, you know, so this quarter is a little bit more demanding. But I mean, say that statistic again, because I just want to emphasize what you were just saying. So say right. it again. It's the third straight quarter of quarter over quarter declines in earnings. And they're down quarter over quarter from the second quarter, 7.3% so far. And revenues, by the way, dead flat. They were a week ago down 30 basis points. Now they're dead flat. But they're so. So what does that tell you, people? Margins are narrowing, right? This is what happens when the, when the people and money inputs takes, it takes labor and capital to produce stuff and provide services. And if the currency declines in value, you have to put more money to work to produce the same thing. And if you are also paying people more at the same time, what will happen to margins? They will diminish. And what, how do you see that? Well, earnings fall. And maybe re revenue can stay the same because you can hike prices. Inflation en enables companies to lift prices, but that doesn't mean they're making more money. They're making McDonald's. less money. Right. This is McDonald's. This is yep. what McDonald's said. And this is why they were somewhat conservative with their guidance going forward is they didn't know how much they were going to continue to be able to raise prices here because exactly. the prices went up substantially at McDonald's. So that's obviously driving the top line higher here. But at a certain point in time here, you can't just keep jacking up your French fries, you know, $4, $5, they're going to go $10 French fries. At a certain point in time, the consumer is going to say, well, this is nuts. So exactly. inflation has driven that top line for a well, lot of companies here. And we are discounting that too. It's like they want their cake and eat it too. We don't want inflation, but we do want it on the top lines of all these other companies here. So if you're going to beat down inflation, they're not going to be able to continue to get the growth in the top line by jacking up the prices. Exactly. And let me I'll offer you, uh, 
you know, pre-market prep listeners, here's a great and very simple economic explanation for why you feel that you don't, you, you know, you look at the economic data that is being reported on CNBC and elsewhere, and it's, everything seems awesome. And you say, well, it does not seem awesome to me. So yeah. how is it that they're coming up with that? I'll show you. All right. There are two ways to think about the, the output of the country. There's what we call GDP, which is reported, just reported last week, GDP. They Third read, they lifted it from 1.3% to 2%. Okay, so this is GDP from the St. Louis Fed. Now, it's a great way to look at it. This is from 1950 to present. Look at this. So post-pandemic, look at this explosion in GDP. Why? Well, I don't care how much it gets deflated. That is reflecting inflation. And I can sh prove it to you. Gross domestic product, by the way, is your spending, the balance of imports and exports, business investment, and government spending. Now, you tell me why government spending is part of GDP, but that is a variable that can, be fluc that can fluctuate. If the government spends a lot of money, it inflates GDP. And it looks like growth. So notice the figure. You can come over here. $26.8 trillion is the GDP through Q2. Now let's look at GDI. Gross domestic income is what you make. It's taken all the forms of income. Could be rent. Could be what you get paid. Investment. All those things. Look at this. It is $19.9 trillion. That is, a, it is more than a 25% spread between the two. There isn't nearly as much income as there is GDP. Well, how can that be? And here's something else to note. Every time that GDP has dipped from 1950 or GDI has dipped since 1950 has been a recession. Right? Here's the worst one. The worst one was in 2008 because we are, we're making this very inflationary where the government is introducing more money. That's how it inflates GDP at the same time you feel you're not making as much money. Well, look at it now. It's falling, yet somehow the GDP is rising. And look at this. There's no, in, no, there's no recession here. Really? Really? We're, we are 25% behind the reported GDP number if you look at our incomes. Okay, so that's why earnings don't matter. And this has to factor into your thinking as a trader. You cannot just go look at a company and say, well, they're going to make more money and the stock's going to rise. That is not how the stock market works. And I've just showed you how it doesn't work in the economy even. So what do you do? Right. And we'll come to that. But I think that's a great lesson. Always look at GDI versus GDP. And the mm. spread is widening and widening. And that's why you feel like I don't think the economy is great. Of course, Tim Quas, founder and CEO, Market Structure Edge, always bringing us some extra. Appreciate you like always, Tim. It's always good to have you and definitely reach out to Tim. If you want to know more about Market Structure Edge and check out the data, you can get a 30-day free trial. Have a good one, Tim. Always good to good have to you on. see you guys. Have a great week. All right, let's get back to the markets. How are we looking here, Joel? Creeper Rally at the highs of the pre-market session, up 11 and a half handles, 46.18. High of the move, 46.34.50. One number for triple D. That's the high of the move. And you can figure out your spider high off that too. That was, uh, I believe that was on Wednesday. 
All right. As we get closer, of course, end of the month coming here. And of course, we're getting more and more mentions from China that they're trying mm-hmm. to get their consumption up. Of course, they've mentioned things like uh, allowing their consumers to buy multiple vehicles, things like this. The, pretty much the limitations that they had on buying, taking those out. So let's see if this could really spark these China stocks as we talked about that last week and Definitely was a good call, but will this be able to continue? FXI trading higher had that big gap on Friday, so gap well, go there. up trade. We've talked yeah. about this, and as long as geopolitical risk remains in the back burner and nobody's talking about that, these stocks can go higher. I mean, Alibaba's finally breaking out. These stocks are relatively cheap. If you, like I've said, if you take out the geopolitical risk, I'd be long all these stocks. But I can't take that out, so I'm not. But from a trading perspective, you can control it to a certain extent. And I mean, here you are. And these stocks keep going higher. At JD.com on Thursday, whatever, it was a good trade. Then gapping up again. So right now, China, little bull market coming back here. These stocks have not participated whatsoever. Look at that long-term chart in JD. Look back at that thing. There has been no participation here. This market is looking for what hasn't gone yet. China has not gone yet. It is not surprising that China is starting to go. Is this the end of the bull market? Nobody knows. Nobody's got a crystal ball. Nobody knows how long this is going on for. But right now, we can clearly see that there is money looking for places that haven't gone yet. The laggard trade is real. It's been going on for a few weeks here now, and that's what we were talking. We've been eyeing stocks like this. All the China stocks fall under the laggard trade uh, category here. These stocks have lagged. Look at the bottom rate chart, if you know what I'm talking about. Alibaba, 300. That's 100 now. The thing is trading. What is it? It's PE. 9, 10, 11, maybe? Let's have a look. You know, it's a good it's exercise here. Yeah. It's it's 11. It's 11 on a forward basis. I mean, Tech these companies, if you, can you believe the numbers? People say that stuff too. But I mean, you know, I don't know if that's the case or not. But I'll just tell you, if you're just looking at these, there is a possibility that the catch-up trade could be real here in China. Uh, 102.50 is an area of three highs in the Bobster. And then for Baidu, uh, boom, boom. Really got room. Ooh, 160 is a good number. Uh, two highs, one in February and one in late March for Baidu. All right, let's go to some earnings preview as, of course, we'll get big reports this week and a lot of mid-cap stocks also reporting. I'm going to throw up the calendar here. And, of course, you guys can check out this oh. calendar on our Twitter and you guys can see it. I mean, the docket's full, guys. And this is just what we have on the calendar. doesn't mean that there's m- not more stocks reporting even after this. All right. Oh. These were the just the ones that we could oh, fit oh, in. Oh. How um, many stocks reporting this week, Mitch? You said it earlier. Yeah. Uh, Tim Quas provided me the number and shout out to him. 2,800. Oh, my gosh. It's 2,800. 2,800 companies reporting this week. This is it. This is the week. This Mm -hmm. is where, you know, and then we're going to go to sleep after this week. I truly believe that it's going to get very, very quiet after this week. But this week, we're going to have some fireworks. We have the end of the month here today. Amazon and Apple on Thursday. You know, we got Qualcomm. AMD is going to report Tuesday. I mean, there's so many. And there's so many, like, mid-tier tech names here, too. Yeah. Unity and Uber and Etsy. And Airbnb and DKNG and Coinbase. Shopify is coming Wednesday. There's so many, so many companies reporting this week that are widely followed by retail as well. 
So you're going to see some fireworks. Again, remember what Tim was saying. Expectations here are very low still. They were really low last quarter. They're still low here. Earnings are going down overall, yet you know they're beating expectations because we just expected the worst. So this is what continues to drive the market is that, man, all these companies are doing fantastic. Are they really? They're not really doing fantastic. They're just beating this low, low bar that they had. But you know what? It's the bar that matters. It's not the nominal number because people on CNBC and all your media will talk about, they beat earnings. So when the bars are all this low, it's pretty easy to beat earnings. That's why 78% or whatever the number has come out and beat earnings. And I mean, that might continue here. Those bars are still low and people have FOMO. The FOMO is real. It is so hard. You know, I wanted to get bearish, but again, Friday's action makes me change my mind here once again. It's just, you know, the market just cannot hold a sell-off. Same thing like when we're in the bear market, this market can't hold a rally. This market cannot hold a sell-off. Yeah, I think it would be really interesting for me. I'll be looking at Marriott's earnings tomorrow uh, just because I've been talking about the lodging stocks as of late and they've been going higher. Um, I still have Hyatt and still looking to see those stocks climb. And it'll be an important report, right? I think that we got to keep watching how the consumer's doing, right? Um, we've been seeing the airlines kicking it, the cruise lines kicking it, lodging kicking it. I mean, they're all doing well. Will one of them give us a warning like, hey, we're starting to finally see the consumer slow down? I don't, I don't even I don't know think if it matters. We'll if the, cons the consumer it's slows down, the expectations are lower. It doesn't even matter that the consumer close, slows down because they beat expectations anyway. So it's all about expectations. It always has been and always will be. We'll see what happens. Of course, there's some bigger reports. Keep eye on that. Of course, we'll be covering them here on Benzinga. We'll try to do our best to get you guys some nice uh, earnings uh, calls. So if you guys want to check out some of these conferences this week, definitely check them out here. And uh, AMD, Qualcomm, that's one that I've been watching, uh, especially Qualcomm as of late. That's been really driving higher. And I feel like this is one that we might be missing out on that could be in the long run getting some good lift. B2B, of course more than b2c but looks good i'm long qualcomm i've been long qualcomm for a very long time way back from sean udall when he said this was his favorite pick i bought it back then we're going back to 2020 um i bought it at 60. i've ridden this thing up i've ridden this thing down i've been all over the place with this that's qual it's in my long-term portfolio it's not going anywhere i'm long <laughs> you didn't qualcomm. sell any of this one and try i sold and buy half i did yeah. sell half because it went from 60 to 120 it felt like in a heartbeat so a lot of times when a stock doubles in like three months or four months really quickly i sell half and then i'm playing with the house money forever so i'm like so now i'm like qualcomm my cost base is really zero because they took it back out of it when it doubled i sold half so it's not a bad strategy in the long-term account you double you sell half and then you just hold on to the rest i did it with mastercard i did it with a lot of stocks i mean sometimes it sucks when they keep going up thousands of percent you're like why did i sell half i would have really been making a lot of money but when they double, I often do sell half, and Qualcomm was the case there. Uh, Traded up here uh, over 130, uh, over the high. Uh, no, right here. Let's hold 130 because that was the area of uh, Friday's high, 29.92. And then things open up. Uh, your next potential area of resistance really doesn't come into the 133 area. Uh, uh, three highs uh, back in mid uh, September, mid February encompassing the 133 area in Qualcomm. All right, let's wrap it up, Joel. Take us to the ES and how you see the levels. Mm. Uh, I see I see very 
little resistance on the upside. We're trading at the highs of the pre-market session, 1875. We're just moving our way up incrementally. That was actually uh, Thursday's high was 34.50. And then we had the tumble, came back on Friday. Uh, I think if you get in on any kind of decline, like the bears coming early and try and press it, you get anywhere near unchanged on the session, uh, 06.50, that was a high close of the move. I expect to find uh, buyers there. So uh, let's wrap it up on this uh, super earnings week uh, coming up and see what the market has to deliver. So everyone have a great day. It's Monday. Let's get going. All right. Joel Conan's leaving here. Like always, you guys can check him out on Pre-Market Prep Plus and the closing print that comes at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. And we got a lot more for you guys here at Benzinga. Dennis, you ready to get into this market? It's going to be a hell of a week. That's Yeah, sure. there's so many earnings. So I've written down the ones that I'm highlighting here tonight. I've got written down a lot of companies reporting here tonight. Um, nothing like, like WDC is probably the highlight tonight. Um, you've got some mid-tier ones, but tomorrow we really start kickstarting and we get like the AMD, which I'm still long, um, Uber, Starbucks. I did sell half my AMD, Uber, Starbucks, SPWR is on there. Tap will be interesting for me too. Mm -hmm. Um, Shopify, SHOP on Wednesday, Qualcomm, we just talked about PayPal, Unity, Etsy, GNRC, which I'm still on the full position, ALB, which I'm still on the full position. So some of my companies are MGM will be interesting people doing stuff you know do we see mgm yeah. you know again like and that that's um, full disclosure i do have some mgm as well which i'm uh, trading around amazon apple square airbnb gilead dkng coinbase net on thursday so the big names here obviously amazon and apple's what the media is going to be talking about being long these stocks ahead of the earnings has always been a, one of my core strategies that i've extracted alpha from it for the, you know the last decade I've employed that strategy and it's worked very well. It's working very well here again today, even. You know, a lot mm -hmm. of the companies that are due to report tonight are up substantially in the pre market here. I think people look and they get excited about stocks that are going to report. I mean, we put the earnings calendar, CNBC right now has the earnings calendar up there too. These stocks get talked about. Caterpillar on Tuesday. We didn't even mention Caterpillar as well. So, so many companies reporting from so many different sectors. It's going to be a very exciting week for earnings. And after that, the market's going to go to sleep. Yep. And we got to be careful with that, right? Because uh, just because we've had a extremely strong like first half of the year and even further now, I, I don't know if it'll be that strong for the second half of the year. We could go to a little bit of a lull, I think, as uh, we keep trying to push. And of course, you see all these analysts start giving like these all time high outlooks and i think that that's when you're going to start maybe start seeing the market slow down a little bit we'll see what happens dennis dick like always you guys can keep up with him triple d trader on twitter we'll give you back like always dennis always good to have you and take care of that fly that fly is just killing me man yep, <laughs> have a good me. one dennis take care man all right we'll get you guys over now to live trading that's coming up next we got of course a great week for you guys here on benzinga gonna keep pushing it to the next level and we'll see a lot of earnings reports coming in. We talked a little bit about them today and what could be coming, but keep your eyes out on stocks that we talked about today. Johnson & Johnson. We got into conversations of SoFi on Semiconductor, right? And of course, we mentioned some, notalist, uh, some notable analyst ratings. Of course, we had Adobe, Wayfair, Hasbro, and just one more. There's a TD Cohen upgrade on GoodRx. Don't know if you guys are watching that company. But I'll keep an eye out on these. And if you guys want to keep up with all the trading action, come over to live trading. I got some of these on swing trades right now. 
Um, I have Hyatt. I'm in some oil plays. I'm looking for some retail to go higher. I even got BJ Wholesales. So if you want to find out a little bit more about my swing trading action and live trading action, come over to live trading. That's starting up now. Lord Ryan, myself, and of course, Nick Brown to cover some good news. We'll see you guys over there. Hit the like if you guys enjoyed today's pre-market prep. And of course, we'll be here to continue leveling the playing field and pushing you to the next trading level. Let's keep going, team. Let's go bring you over now to live trading and see what we can get into today. We'll be right back.